Welcome to One City Podcast. Today, Pastors Chris and Karen Conley will take a deeper dive into this week's message and teach us to apply the truth of God's Word in our lives. Hello and welcome to Conversations. This is Karen Conley and I am here with Chris Conley. Hey, hey. We are talking today on week four of the series, Blessed and Set Apart, Discover the Rhythms of Rest and Renewal. This whole series has been on the Sabbath, and today we're talking really, the the last several weeks you've been talking about the Sabbath, what it looks like to create one, what it looks like to create your favorite day of the week. And this message actually kind of flips and looks at the other six days of the week on some practical levels. And then you also gave us some um, some concepts talking about rewards. So I'm, I'm looking forward to diving into this conversation. Um, Chris, as you thought about this message in its entirety, hopefully everybody's already listened to it, but what was the takeaway? What was it that you really hoped as you set out to deliver this message that you wanted people to walk away with? Well, I, I want people to see that, yes, God did set us set apart one day. He tells us to remember that day and to make it holy, but he also tells us to work six days and to rest the seventh day. And so what happens on those other six days has a huge impact on what happens on the one day. And then what happens on the one day also has a huge impact on what happens on the other six days. And so what we really have to see is that our time is his time 24 seven. All right. So every day we serve him every day, regardless of what we're doing, there's a way to serve him. There's not this difference between secular and spiritual. It's not just, do I only serve him at church or do I only serve him in a particular type of job? Know that every day is an opportunity to make sure that my attitude and my approach to this day is one of being his son or daughter. It's one of being his servant. It's one of being light and love. And so what we did is we tried to show that um, when you work those six days, if, if you don't understand that you are his servant and that you're a steward of the time and the gifts that he's given you, then you will accidentally end up living for the wrong rewards. And some people say, well, I don't live for a reward. I, I would beg to differ. I would say that if you aren't living for his rewards, then by default, you will live for your rewards, that all of us live for something. Now, if we're not living for something, if we've lost our sense of purpose, then that's a whole nother problem altogether, all right? But right now, we'll focus on the emphasis of needing to live for his rewards and how that emphasis during those six days uh, should also make the seventh day where you can enjoy ceasing from the work that you have done because there's a sense of completion, and then you celebrate the work that has been done because it's his work. Chris, there's a lot of practical sides to this, and and over the last couple of years, we have walked a lot in the um, marketplace ministry space, um, and and obviously there's both exist. There's there's the ministry that happens within the walls of a church, and then there's the ministry we're called to outside of the walls of the church. 
And historically, the church hasn't done a very good job of helping those worlds see the connection to one another. Um, and I think, you know, I think of over the last couple of years in that market ministry place, how many marketplace leaders would have conversations about they don't really find their place in the church. They don't really have leadership there. Their ministry is is in their place of employment. Um, and, and even the term, the Monday morning atheist, a good friend of ours, Doug Spada has, um, a resource, a book on that, I believe. Yes. And, um, and love him and what he's doing. So speak for a minute. There's a lot of things that we're going to get to, but I think it's, it's a, a great moment in this series to maybe speak to how those worlds need to, um, fit together, that they're not, they shouldn't be, oh, I own a business and I'm a Christian businessman, but I don't figure out how I actually use my gifts within the church versus the people who think the only place ministry occurs is in the walls of a church and then they leave that behind. Yeah, there's no such thing as Christian jobs and non-Christian jobs. Okay, so we don't put this word Christian as an adjective in front of something and go, oh, well, I do something that's you know more Christian because... Uh, you know, it, it's in a nonprofit world or it's more charitable or it's, you know, designated as a ministry. You can turn any job you have, any skill set you have, and just because of who you are as a son or daughter, because of how you approach your work, doing all things in excellence unto the Lord, because we have a calling to be salt and light, then everything we do can be done from his perspective. And when we see our time from his perspective, and we see our strengths and our gifts from his perspective, then we can fulfill his purpose. Uh, and there are times that it's appropriate to uh, not necessarily put it in the context of religious talk in the workplace. But if you just love people well, uh, eventually they will inquire about the source of your love. Um, but what we want to do is we want to be people who have a uh, character that's above reproach. Uh, we want to be people who are known by uh, the fruits of the spirit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, all those kind of things uh, in the workplace. And I believe that when we do that, I also believe God wants to bless that. You know, I think you will find more favor upon your work because those types of things are blessable. I love that. The other avenue before we um, start talking about some of the different types of rewards that I just thought was um, something you and I have talked about for a long time, um, and, and that is that we're all tired. <laughs> um, we're going to, at the end of the day, everybody goes to bed tired. And the question is just not, is just whether or not you're tired from something that's going to be kingdom minded and it's going to have everlasting fruit or whether you're tired from something that has no eternal value. So speak a little bit to that, um, just kind of that whole um, train of thought as people are trying to process how, you know, how they fit life into God's, per from God's perspective. Well, there's this fallacy out there that somehow or another we can live life in this world. And if we balance everything just perfectly, 
that um, then we'll have an equal measure of everything and, and, and that, yes, we'll work a little bit, but then we'll rest a little bit and then we'll have, you know, a little bit of time for these hobbies and this recreation and this. And that's just, it's an impossible equation, okay? And, and you know, since the fall of man, uh, there is a dynamic to our work where it occurs by the sweat of our brow, okay? So, um, you know, work is something that I, I think is given to us by God. I think it has creative expressions of who he is. I think it's a good thing. But there's also a dynamic that, yeah, it's just work, you know, um, you know, even in the ministry, you know, if you, uh, you know, the, the, the law of the harvest, if you uh, reap what you sow, well, um, that law of the harvest, it does not discriminate. You know, if you sow good things, you reap good things. If you sow bad things, you reap bad things. But guess what? Even in our context of ministry, uh, we have administrative work just like every, every other company has administrative work. Not all of our work is relational. You know, we have to write emails too, you know. And so there's, depending on what your industry is, there is a percentage of your job that's just work that's got to be done. But then there's a percentage of your job where you can really, uh, you know, thrive according to your personality, according to your gifts, according to your strengths, and you really have an opportunity to be used uh, for the success of that company, but also the success of that company means the success of you individually, the success of your family. And so I, I think it's just really important for us uh, to then go back and go, how do I gain God's perspective on my work? And at the end of the day, when I lay my head down, uh, did I represent him in everything I did today? And did someone see a glimpse of God's love in and through me, and even a glimpse of God's excellence in and through me, and a, even a glimpse of God's intelligence in and through me? Just, you know, how did I represent him today? I love that. And I think especially as we've gone through this series and it's, it's been fascinating talking to different people in, um, in one city of how they've processed this teaching on the Sabbath. And uh, I had someone tell me yesterday, just, man, we were talking about this in our dinner group and how hard it is to honor a Sabbath. And, um, and again, you know, as we think about it, it's one of those things where, um, if we, if you are a busy person and you are living at, you know, 99% capacity and you can't figure out how to give the, the Lord back his day because it's already filled up, you, you know, there's, and you don't have, you know, the margin of, a, of those hours you can take back from somewhere else, then how do you do this? And I think what you just said is really one of the just practical ways, because you and I are in the middle of, we're in a phase of startup, you know, it's, it's, we've got a lot of things that we're just grounding, we're building from the ground up. And so that means there's a lot of work to be done. And so when we're talking about the Sabbath and honoring the Sabbath, we're not talking about it in a season of life where we've got our foot feet up on the ottoman and we're watching TV at six o'clock at night and taking a stroll around the neighborhood. That you know, someday, but that's not our day right now. And so as you're talking about that, um, you know, of, of saying when you put your head on the pillow at night and that you know that you have, you know, shown Christ to people, um, that also I think is worth saying that 
when we've got too much on our plate and we're trying to honor the Sabbath right now, that's one of the measures that I use is like, I am going to bed with things that still need to be done and then going, okay, it's our Sabbath. So I'm going to turn it off and not do all of the things that I know that need to be done. And the way that I can do it is go, okay, father, the way that I measure success today is not that I get everything on my to-do list done, but when I put my head on the pillow at night, can I say that I have put the big rocks in, you know, I've spent time with him, I've honored him, I've shown love to those people that I'm with, and those are the things that I'm having to measure my my day by, not if I got everything done, because if that was my measure, then I wouldn't get to my Sabbath, and I would just be like, yeah, well, I mean, I've got stuff to do, I didn't get done, it's going to bleed over. So Yeah, we're, we're never going to finish all of our work. Yep. You know, um, it, it's one of these things where, what we've got to do is just, we've got to say, okay, did I put in an honest day's work? And, and at some point, you know, today I talked about in the message that each week you need to establish a finish line, you know, really in many regards, also each day you need to establish a finish line. So, you know, as you establish those finish lines, there's still going to be work greeting you in the morning. Okay. But, um, you can feel a sense of completion sense of satisfaction that, Hey, I did the best I could. I put in an honest day's work, a hard day of work. I represented him and now I'm going to trust him to bless it. I'm going to trust him to do more with it than I can do myself. Mm, I love that. And Chris, just cause you know, we have this podcast, we can have true confessions. Um, I mean, when we first, this was a couple of years ago, started implementing it, but I've had a little flashback to it recently. I mean, when we started implementing the, the Sabbath, I was really good about protecting that day, but every other day I started working later and later and later. And so it was like, yeah, I'm going to work, you know, 14 hour days as long as I protect that one day. So I think to your point, there is, there's still, we, we are fantastic at manipulating. And so, um, if you are as crazy as I am and trying to navigate multiple jobs or multiple things, I think that is a good word, like a finish line to the day to say, okay, I've given a good day. I've done all that I can, and I'm not going to work late, late, late into the night because it just puts you in a place that you, you can't catch up. Each person needs to know what their danger is. Our danger is to do too much. All right. Some people's danger is not to do enough and just know what your danger is and then work to put in the right boundaries uh, in order to have uh, a healthy uh, perspective and a hel- as healthy a balance as is possible. Love it. Okay. So Chris, as we kind of shift gears, you made reference in the message today that, that, that we are, we're either pursuing um, heavenly rewards or uh, eternal rewards or earthly rewards. Um, you touched on the kind of the crowns, that representation of rewards through scripture. Would you kind of in this format, maybe give us a little bit more context of what those are and how they fit into this whole conversation about the Sabbath? Right. So, you know, there are five crowns that are mentioned in the New Testament. And when we think about this, that these rewards, um, it's not taught very often. Um, you know, I have a difficult time really remembering memorable series or messages that I've heard about rewards. And I think that's very unfortunate because God is the one that created the rewards in order to uh, have a sense of motivation 
and inspiration in our life and to give us the desire to live for the right thing. And so I, I think it's, um, you know, honestly, a, a lie of the enemy that that if we can de-emphasize God's emphasis on the rewards, then what he does is he creates these artificial rewards and pleasures for us to live for. And then all of our time and attention is chasing those versus uh, really serving the one that has the best rewards. And those rewards are eternal. And so, you know, what we see is that, you know, the scripture says there's an everlasting crown. And in that, it comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25. And he's using the analogy of an athlete that's running and talks about that, that an athlete uh, exercises self-control in all things. And they do it to receive a perishable reef, but we uh, imperishable. And so this one should resonate with us because our culture absolutely loves sports. And so in this way, these runners, they focus on the finish line. And in order to get to the finish line in the fastest time, that requires us to exercise self-control when we're not running the race. You know, it requires us to exercise self-control to actually train for the race. It requires us to exercise self-control in all aspects of our life. And so runners discipline themselves to compete. And, you know, what I would just encourage us to do here is to say that my life, um, when I set my life apart and I see my life as, you know, a, a runner in God's race, then uh, am I just laboring to run? You know, am I out of shape? And, and I'm just, you know, it, it's in this context where it's just difficult for me to uh, you know, run consistently, much less walk, run, walk, run, jog, whatever it might be. And so if you, if you can understand he is the author and perfecter of our faith and, and that, that he is the one that we are running to and we are running for, then it radically changes everything. You're not just running on a treadmill. You can receive that prize. And so it's just us putting these things before us and thinking about life in a different way. But there's also like the disciple maker's crown, you know, in, in, in what we saw there is in first Thessalonians two verse 19 and 20. And he says, for you are our glory and our joy. Well, you know, is God using you to win people to Christ, you know, to invest in people, to invite people? Is he using you to help people grow in Christ? You know, are you a part of a dinner group where you're sharing life with one another, that you're having meaningful conversations? You know, are you doing things outside the church? Are you building relationships in the workplace? You know, is God using you to equip leaders for Christ? Are you serving according to your gifts? You know, and so again, these put the 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 different uh, goals before us, the different rewards before us. But then he talks about a crown of righteousness, and that's Second Timothy four eight. And you know, when we think about that again, instead of reading the scripture here, the righteous they give it their all. Can you say that you're living your life in such a way that you have so much respect for who God is? so much love for who God is that you're giving it your all. And, you know, one of the things I think that is that parallel is how we live for our children. You know, many, uh, most of us will do everything we can. We will give it our all so that we can give them our all, 
okay? And so the righteous, they give it their all, they fight the good fight. They may suffer adversity, but they keep fighting the good fight. You know, they, they finish the race. They, they, they keep the faith. And so there's a perseverance involved and, and that brings a crown of righteousness. Now, when we think about righteousness, um, that is right living from a right relationship with God. You know, it, it comes from a right relationship. And the fact that the relationship is right, then the expressions of the way that we live for him are right. I love, um, I think it was Clyde that first used the definition that righteousness is obeying from a heart of love, yes. which I'm sure he didn't create that definition, but it's, but it's just where, uh, where my heart has always helped really clarify because righteous is such a, a word you hear in scripture so often, but it's kind of like, what is, what does it really mean? Am I being righteous? And I just, I, I think in some ways that one is so profound and yet so simple to just be able to say, okay, Lord, am I obeying you? Number one, but number two, am I obeying from a heart of love? And that I think for no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, I feel like that is a, a excellent two questions to keep in front of you that, that really kind of keeps, keeps us honest before the Lord and keeps us from being prideful. Um, that, that I'm not legalistic. I can't be a Pharisee and be righteous, which is so interesting because that's what they were so proud of was that they were righteous. But if you take it as being obeying from a heart of love, then that is when you realize, wait a minute, when I understand who God is and I see the, you know, it's that whole thing, the closer I get to him, the more holy I realize he is and the more I see the sin in my life. Um, and so I love that crown of righteousness. Chris, the next crown that you talked about was the crown of glory. Um, tell us a little bit in terms of those last two crowns as people are thinking about this whole idea of their work, of what those rewards yeah, are. The, the crown of glory specifically deals with, you know, ways that you serve the Lord in and through kind of the local church. And it says you'll receive an unfading crown of glory. I love that term, unfading. Like all the trophies here, they end up fading. All the trophies here, they end up getting broken. But this is an unfading crown of glory. So, you know, it's are you serving as a uh, willing servant leader? Not, you know, serving because you need to or you ought to, you know, or under compulsion, but voluntarily serving, eager to serve, you know, you know, uh, are you leading by example? You know, are you serving the people of God according to your spiritual gifts? When you are serving in the area of your strengths and in the area of your gifts, then there's great fulfillment. Um, you know, there's great satisfaction. You know, it, it's not something you ought to do. It's something you want to do. And then that last one, he says, it's the crown of life. You know, James 1.12, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. And so all of us go through adversity. All of us go through the highs and lows of life. There's different tests that come our way. But are you remaining steadfast under trial? When you are in the crisis, make sure you find Christ. He is typically most present, easily visible in the crisis. You know, are you passing the test? Are you 
persevering when it doesn't seem like he's present, but he is present? Are you persevering when things seem to be the most difficult? It's, it's, you know, perseverance is what you do until you get a breakthrough. All right. You know, in, are you faithful unto death? Whatever you do, uh, don't give up on the last leg of the race, (laughs) you know, um, keep running. And, and, you know, one of the things I'll say here, you know, in second Corinthians five, nine, it says, so whether we are at home or away, all right, so wherever you are, we make it our aim to please God. And, and one of the ways I would summarize these five crowns, make it your aim, you know, if I could summarize it this way, to run to win. Make it your aim to make disciples. Make it your aim to fight the good fight. Make it your aim to serve the church. And then make it your aim to pass the test. Well, Chris, as we wrap up this podcast, I know that next week we you will bring the final message in the series on the Sabbath. Um, we really won't have a conversation about that one because one of the purposes of us um, honoring a Sabbath as a church is that twice a year we will have what we call a Sabbath Sunday and that it'll be the 4th of July weekend and then the last Sunday of the year each year. So this is really as a new church, our first Sabbath Sunday, and we're not going to create extra work by doing a conversation about that message. We'll just, we will just put that one live for everybody to enjoy as they take an extended Sabbath and as we do as well. Uh, so in these final minutes of the last time that you and I will sit microphone to microphone and think about this particular series, uh, what are your last words of encouragement to everyone as they are either refining, being um, introduced to a Sabbath, if it's something that's not been a regular practice, or maybe um, just taking the series and and sharpening what they've been doing? Um, My sense is more people don't do it than do it. And so I think that's really kind of where most people land. What would your last words of encouragement be? It's very simple. Um, design this day to be your favorite day of the week. And in that favorite day of the week, there's kind of three primary things that I think are involved from God's perspective. Spend some time enjoying his presence, spend some time enjoying God's people and spend some time enjoying his provision. Um, It's just opportunity for you to enjoy who he is, to receive the gift, um, to trust him, to rest in it. Um, rest shouldn't be difficult. I understand some reasons why it is initially, but I believe that if you will kind of plan in advance, make a commitment, and that if you'll do this for the next six months, I believe you will see blessings upon your life that you'll never want to give up. And because of that, um, it will become uh, your favorite day. But when it's your favorite day, I think it'll become the favorite day of the people in your family. And then I think it'll become an amazing tradition uh, that everyone in your family will be grateful that you set the standard for. Mm. Well, I hope that this series has been an encouragement to you. And I do hope it is worth the effort that you and I have been putting in. And um, I can already see a shift in how I look at my day, my week. Uh, and I, I pray that you will, wherever you are in your journey, um, just allow yourself to fully embrace this truth that we have a God who loves us so much, who values rest and tells us that we need to rest, um, that you would do it. He knows what's best in every area of life, including this one. So you guys take care and we'll see you soon. 
Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's message, share it with a friend. And be sure to subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single episode. Join our movement and help us to prove that love works. You can give towards our mission at onecitymemphis.org.